yeah, we've accumulated like $200,000 on Stripe. Then, you know, Stripe just like one morning I wake up and they send me an email. Oh, we decided to terminate your kind of like our relationship with you because we think like you're like too risky for our business model and we will hold your money for 120 days and then we'll release it back to you. What? All right, you're listening to the Deal Closers podcast brought to you by WebsiteClosers.com. This is a show about how to build your e-commerce business to be profitable, scalable, and one day even sellable. I'm Isaac Porter, and on the show today, we have my good friend and e-commerce genius, Alex Fedidoff. He's joining us to talk about advertising and scaling e-commerce brands in a post-iOS 14 world. You know, in e-commerce, sometimes when we think we have things figured out, the goalposts really start moving on us. You know, maybe you have Facebook nailed down, the revenue is rolling in, and then, you know, someone changes the algorithm and things just drop off a cliff. Google SEO strategies like link building might work one day, and then they're completely gone from the index in the next day. An operating system updates, and we have a spike or a drop in traffic, and we're not really sure why. When you're relying on apps or websites that you don't own to sell your products, it can be pretty scary. So let's meet our guest, Alex Fedidov. Starting in 2014 from his parents' apartment in the Ukraine, Alex's e-commerce journey started as a cookie salesman making $100 a month. He is now the founder of e-commerce Scaling Secrets and also the founder of several seven and eight figure e-commerce brands. Alex, how's it going? Great to have you on the show. Good, my man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, dude. Really excited to talk with you. Look, I, I want to talk about uh, iOS 15 and the post iOS 14 world and kind of how you're um, coaching your your students on this and how you're using kind of strategies yourself to continue to advertise successfully. But before we get into that, I, I need to know more about this uh, cookie salesman uh, work that you did. <laughs> Walk us through the early days of your e-commerce life. Sure, my man. So, uh, yeah, like I, I graduated, you know, in Ukraine, like in Ukraine, the average seller is like 300 bucks a month. And so didn't know what I want to do with my life. I definitely didn't want to like work like a regular job because that didn't show any promise, but I mean, didn't have many options at that time. So yeah, cookie salesman was one of my positions. I was not very good at it. Like, so <laughs> they had this like performance structure, you know, like you get, you get compensated based on like number of like cookies you sell, but because I didn't like it, I wasn't passionate about it. Like I didn't sell that many. And so yeah, typically I would make like hundred bucks and my rent was like 200, you know? Oh, man. So, <laughs> And so, you, yeah. Tell me the yeah. truth. Did you, did you eat some of the cookies? Oh, oh for sure. Like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> almost every day, you know. <laughs> I had so, better metabolism. I didn't get fat. Like, now if I would eat, like, cookies every day, I would be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got that going on, too. That happens sometimes in our 40s, you know. So, look, man, you've, you've come a world away from uh, selling cookies. You've had huge, huge success with your own brands. And, you know, you've taught a lot of other people how to do this. But... For, for you and your business, what's been the scariest kind of like, oh, crap update, you know, if it's from Google or Amazon or Facebook, you know, the, the world is constantly changing in this in this area. Because uh, we could because we've constantly been like relying on Facebook uh, pretty much like since, you know, we've been in business like Facebook's been like always at least, you know, 80, 90 percent of our traffic at times like it's like 100 percent. So the updates on Facebook have been like the most kind of like impactful from like negative standpoint. So whether it's like Facebook sometimes, you know, end of like quarter or when they have like a lot of advertisers, a lot of competition, sometimes they would just like shut down the accounts or business managers or pages out of nowhere. 
So there's like a this like big wave of like bands. Um, yeah. So those things have been like very like impactful for us, like in a negative way. And then obviously the IS update, which happened approximately like April, May um, this year, um, it, it kind of like in the short term, it kind of like impacted our business slightly for like few months. But then we have found ways to kind of like make it still work. And some of those ways, you know, I'll share, <laughs> share with your audience as well. You know, as uh, I, I talk with founders and folks who uh, own e-commerce businesses every day and getting ready to sell them. And the, the iOS update has been, you know, has really impacted in a negative way a lot of these companies that that we're working with. So maybe just can you just kind of give us a just a 30,000 foot overview of like what was the change and, and kind of how did it impact Facebook that you see? Mostly it impacted like it impacted on sort of like several like levels. So Facebook is pretty much like why Facebook is so powerful, why so many people are using it because of the data Facebook accumulates, right? Um, so right. when the IS update happened, then um, users have the right pretty much if they have the pop-up to choose they don't want to be tracked in certain apps, including, let's say, Facebook app. So all of their activity, where they click, what they buy is not tracked. So then, then that person is not necessarily in a Facebook database. So they wouldn't, like, let's say, if they if, if the person is buying a lot of clothing, let's say, so then Facebook wouldn't know the person is buying a lot of clothing because they chosen uh, to not be tracked, and so that the, then the, that overall like pool of buyers, potential buyers that advertisers have access to, just decreased significantly. On the other side, Facebook is pretty much like it's um, you know overall like performance predicated by pixel and how well it's fed by the good data. So then. If less people are kind of like tracked, then the less purchases are being like attributed uh, to Facebook. So the less data is being communicated to Pixel. And so pretty much the whole kind of like cycle slows down. You get like less data that you can make your decisions on. Like for example, this audience or this ad is working. And so that's kind of like what we have to work with currently. Got it. Okay. So Change is somewhat of a constant in this industry, right? I mean, these, yeah, these changes happen. Sure. They've happened before. They'll happen again. How can an e-commerce company keep their business, you know, update proof? Or how can you be nimble enough to pivot and and kind of figure out what you need to do next? I think over dependence in general, I think kind of like this whole update just exposed businesses that have been over dependent on Facebook, including our business. We are so dependent on Facebook that any change is pretty much very like um, detrimental. In the short term, long term, we always figure out solutions. There's always solutions. There are always tools. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about those in a second. But in the short term, it impacts business significantly. What it has taught us, and even on 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 you know on the transaction that we work together, right? So we are looking into other sources of traffic. We're looking at businesses uh, and to acquire the businesses that um, utilize other sources of traffic rather than just pay. Because if we have paid and then we have, let's say, like brand ambassadors, we have organic, we have influencers, we have, uh, let's say, Google uh, performing on a decent level, right? So if we have all of those, then if even if one platform doesn't perform, then more or less your business remains able. And especially that's important as you have like a lot of overhead and you have to just like, you must maintain a certain sales level Profit level on a monthly basis just to break even, just to pay the bills, just to pay salaries, uh, just to pay for all of the overhead of the business. 
Yeah, there's, a, you know, I hear a lot of discussion when I'm talking to buyers about omni-channel distribution for yeah. e-commerce businesses. You know, if it's, they've got uh, Amazon and D2C website, maybe they've got some retail, multiple, you know, sites, maybe they're on Walmart. But I think, you know, kind of what you're talking about sounds to me like being able to drive traffic to your site from from multiple sources so that any one particular source is not you're protected and mitigating your risk by having multiple traffic sources. For sure. Uh, for sure. It's uh, it's kind of like the same as with SKUs, right? If you're over dependent like on one SKU, then if something happens with the demand for that product or it's kind of like drops in performance then your business is very significantly impacted. So it comes Good. down to that same kind of like diversification and, and having um, multiple ways to drive the traffic in order to, to keep the business uh, more sustainable. Awesome. Okay. Well, that that's that's a really important concept, I think. So, what what are some of the tips? You know, what what have you learned? You know, you've you've fi- figured out some things since the spring when these changes went into effect. You know, what what are you doing, and what are some takeaways that you know our listeners could use to help their businesses if they've been impacted by you know these updates, or or maybe they're really just dependent on one particular traffic source. I would just like critically evaluate your business. And I think like the first step is like always awareness and just like realize, okay, so I am over dependent on like one traffic channel or like one skew and then deciding to change it. I think that's like step number one, because a lot of people like they would realize they have an issue, but then it's kind of like, oh, it's okay. I mean, it's not like critical. And then they continue to do it. But the only direction it will go, it's like, I mean, D2C will become more and more competitive. Amazon will become more and more competitive. You know, Facebook will become more and more strict. They already introducing kind of like the feedback score, you know, like on the Facebook page, you have the feedback score. That yep. feedback score will be visible like beyond, below like every ad. You will see what is the actual feedback score. So if customers see that, let's say your feedback score is like three out of five, that your customer experience is not good. I mean, that will impact your conversion rates. So even thinking from that perspective, how vulnerable your business is so you can make the necessary adjustments on the tactical level. And uh, I mean, Facebook is, um, is is my area of expertise. So on the Facebook, what we're doing is uh, we're using like Google Analytics. We're using QTM parameters to double check and cross check the um, basically the attribution from you know each of the ads. So then, then we can compare it with Facebook dashboard and make decisions based on that. Also, we are using external tools or external tools like uh, Hires, uh, for example, or some of our clients using like Wicked Reports, which have that extra layer of tracking. So let's say once you click on an ad, it kind of like registers uh, with their cookie and then it um, kind of like passes, uh, you know, to their dashboard and then their dashboard you can actually use for the, you know, for the optimization. So it gives you more kind of like visibility in terms of which ads, which creatives, uh, which targeting audiences are actually working. So using that extra layer so of- You're doing more of the tracking yourself or, or through these other software tools that are available. You have to, right? Because yeah. Facebook is not necessary. There's also like one custom solution that we are currently testing that just allows you to populate all of the data back to the Facebook, kind of like through server to server setup, um, I mean, if you have like a good developer, they can do it for you. So basically server server tracking. And so that would reflect 
more of the kind of like transactions that have occurred and we'll attribute them to the right, right type of ads. On the tactical level as well, uh, what we're doing is we keeping the structure simpler, which means uh, we don't have that many campaigns, that many ad sets, because we don't want like that tracking to be all over the place. So even if we know, let's say like one ad set is working and uh, the data shows it, and then ad set only has, let's say like three ads in it, then uh, we are just like leaving it to run. We're not touching it. But instead, if we have, let's say, 20 different ads in there, then it would be a lot more difficult to track. It's a lot more, let's say, each one of them like spends like $20. Um, it's like 20 ads. So it's like $400 just spent on kind of like initial validation. And then if you have issues with tracking, then it would be like difficult to attribute a certain ad uh, to a certain sale. And so that just messes things up. So the simpler your structure is on the on the campaign level, ad set level, and on the lead level, the better it is. Obviously, you have to test new creatives. This is one of the like very crucial parts. You still have to test creatives. So having like a separate campaign where you test like um, new creatives, and um, what we do is we are getting new creatives for uh, for our customers or for from influencers. Uh, user-generated content, we're testing it in a separate campaign. Once those are working well, then we're pushing them to the to the main campaigns where we spend the most budgets. Wow. You're like the uh, the professor of uh, of online marketing, man. It's awesome, awesome information. Really appreciate you sharing some of those those ideas with us. So tell us a little bit about e-commerce scaling secrets. What are you what are you doing and you know what are you teaching other people who are selling products online? Initially, it was just like, you know, people reaching out to me. Hey, Alex, like, you know, I have this business. Can you help me to can you help me to scale it? And so I would advise people like one on one. Over time, it turned into like into the community. Like so we have, uh, for example, people who are doing like seven, uh, eight figures uh, in sales. So pretty much it's kind of like collaborative experience because I think like the community part, like let's say you have like e-commerce business, right? If you're in the community with other e-commerce businesses, let's say one business owner does like D2C, another one does like Amazon, another one does retail, you can learn a lot from those people and also seeing your business from different angles. You can see kind of like different business models. You can see how they can make it work. And anytime you have challenges, you can just reach out and get help. And so I was in many of those like communities myself. And I mean, some of them are good. Some of them are not as good. And we pretty much have, I guess, the best community right now. That's what a lot of our members said for e-commerce entrepreneurs, because we have people that are not only doing good numbers, but also people that are like willing to share kind of like what's working for them. And so I'm learning a lot. You know, I, I did it like, you know, partially for selfish reasons, partially for not selfish reasons, because I want to help people. But like even for selfish reasons, like I see so many like businesses, so many business models, I see what's working. And that also helps us to grow our own our own business in turn. Yeah, and you know, just go, going back to the um, a couple of things that that you said, I think you know, in, in my position, I see I see a lot of businesses that are for sale, and I talk to literally thousands of buyers, and you know, I know the the strategies that you're talking about, diversifying the channels that are driving traffic to your website, you know, as well as diversifying the channels where you're able to, to sell your products, drive value for businesses. Buyers value that diversity and, and lack of concentration because it reduces the perceived risk. Now, there, there are some, some buyers, some aggregators out there that are looking for specifically for single channel 
uh, strategies to roll into a bigger platform. But mm-hmm. but the majority of buyers really see really see value in in diversification. And I think um, you know if you're if you're a, a business owner and you're thinking about you know maybe you've you've realized you've got a concentration in paid traffic from one source. I think it's worth you know if, if you have the idea of an exit in mind, it's worth investing in building out a strategy for another traffic source because it will add value to your business and it will make it more attractive to the market. And I think what, what you teach people to do is, is, you know, how to scale their businesses. And, you know, it's not, it's not just the size of the business that'll, that'll add value if they decide they want to exit their business, but it's the structure of the business also. Yeah, uh, sure. the, the combination of those things really um, can make a company attractive for, for a buyer and and that can be that can be really lucrative for the for the founder. So um what what are some of the fun stories you can share from your clients or yourself who have taken taken their business to the next level? Horror story. I have some horror stories like very like scary. I mean like yeah tell okay tell us a horror story but <laughs> tell, tell, tell us a good story and a bad story. Yeah. Oh yeah let, let me tell you like a good story. So I have a client right and client is um he's he's based in India. Yeah. He's an amazing guy, like very smart. But, you know, I'm from Ukraine, you know, like if you want to sell stuff in Ukraine, like you got to like, I had to travel to Poland, which is across the border to just open the PayPal account. You can't get it in Ukraine. I mean, at least when I was there, like you, you, you couldn't get it, right? Like, so the barrier of entry is not like, okay, I have to figure out what to sell. But I, I mean, I have to figure out like even like, what kind of like payment processors to use to even like collect money from people, even yeah. if I sell. So it's, it's, it's a more complex. So he's in India, right? And he's an amazing guy. He's doing right now, like 15, like, yeah, like 15, $20,000 a day. But the problem is, for example, in India, they have this um, tax, like weird tax, like you pay like 18% or something like tax on your ad spend. So if you're spending, let's say, hundred thousand dollars per month on ads you're paying extra like eighteen thousand dollars uh in ad spend uh you're paying like eighteen thousand dollars on top of that in tax right so it's like 118 not 100 which mm-hmm. makes your margins like shrink significantly right because a lot of businesses function like 20 30 percent uh, margins yeah and so we had this conversation with him and like you know obviously he's not he's not happy with these margins he's doing good numbers in terms of revenue but not his margins and I tell him, okay, so why don't you introduce like a like a digital product, like a course, you know, that has um, high perceived value, but at the same time, it doesn't have like a lot of cost. I mean, you pay you pay for it just once, and you see all of these companies, like even like Peloton, is based on like physical products and digital, kind of like the media, yeah. right? So this is kind of like one of like where we are heading right now in a few years, like. If you don't have like media with your business, if this is just like physical product, unless you're hyper efficient, you will be struggling to compete because that media aspect increases the retention. It adds a subscription revenue, like even Alo. There's a company called Alo Yoga. They have this whole like training platform with like yoga classes and stuff. So you buy the apparel, but then you have all of the classes that you can actually exercise and it's charging you on, on a subscription basis. So it adds another revenue stream to the business makes the business more stable and also adds customers that are more loyal, uh, increases their retention. And so he found someone who created a course. And so he paid them $400 to create that like course, record the videos, kind of like educational stuff. 
and he put it in the course and he started selling it as an upsell for one of his products. And so he spent $400 on it. He paid like one time to the person. He already has generated $100,000 in extra revenue with that um, with the product last like two months or so. Wow. So, and that obviously like has no cost. You didn't have to fulfill it. It's just like automated email that sends you the access to that digital, you know, digital product. And so that just shows that you have to constantly like evaluate your business and be like open-minded. You're not just in physical products business. You're not just like Amazon business. You're not just like retail business, right? Like you're like, you know, whatever like business model you could integrate into it. Obviously you have to weigh in kind of like how much effort it will take to put together, but something like a digital product. And so we were laughing about it because like, you know, I told him and like, I told it to like probably hundreds of our students and he's, he's the one who's actually done it, you know? And like, I'm, I, I was so happy because this is such a massive part of the part of the margin, part of the profitability game. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, it, you know, the ability to create that kind of recurring revenue stream drives tremendous value for an exit process, too. I mean, it makes this, the cash flow that a buyer buys much more stable. And so yeah. they're willing to pay more for it because yep. it continues on in perpetuity. So, um, you know, not only does that help his margins, but it, you know, dramatically improves the value of his business, too. Exactly. Yeah. Super and so cool. one, of the, one of the horror stories I can share is like, uh, you know, like a lot of businesses, uh, we've, I mean, we're using like, we, we were using Stripe. It was a few years ago and it was Q4 and we were doing like, I mean, decent numbers, like 20, 25, like $30,000 a day in sales. And we were like pushing Q4, like good time. And our company at that point was established in like Singapore and Singapore is like, whatever reason they have like seven day payout time on kind of like on, on transactions. So if you generate sale today, Stripe holds this for seven day and then they give it to you. And so during that, like, you know, pretty much like uh, Q4 week, yeah, we've accumulated like $200,000 uh, on, on Stripe. And then, you know, Stripe just like one morning I wake up after that was after like, like it's like, yeah, it's literally like it was like 2017 or 18, uh, around the same time as now. And I wake up and they send me an email. Oh, we decided to terminate your kind of like our relationship with you because you know we don't think like uh, we think like you're like too risky for our business model, and we will hold your money for 120 days and then we'll release it back to you. What? Yeah, and so that yeah, that's like 200, and I'm you know sending emails and try to like like you know, obviously provide like all of the proof, like those situations, you got to go with a lawyer. I mean, then you have a shot kind of like if you see, if you send a letter, but the, the, the bad thing is like, even like very clean compliant businesses, they have issues with Stripe, with PayPal, you know, those businesses are very, sometimes they're very like strict, like an out of nowhere, something triggers like security check and they terminate, you know, the relationship with you. Some of our clients, let's say they have, um, They've had like thirty, sixty thousand dollars on on uh, PayPal, and it was uh, and it just locked, you know. And and then uh, PayPal says, okay, we'll not release it because you terminated some of the word. Let's say you if you drop shipping from China and you haven't disclosed it or like something like this, then 
uh, they have the right to keep that money. And, <laughs> and so those are the type of like horror situations. So without recommend for, uh, for entrepreneurs to have like a backup merchant processor, especially if your payout times are not as fast, especially if maybe like if it's like seven days, you definitely have to need to have a few of the processors. So then you kind of like diversify. Let's say you send like $10,000 of value here a day, then another 10000 here. And so you kind of like spread it between multiple processors. So even if one goes down, you still get the, get the payouts from other ones. Yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense. So did, did you get your two hundred thousand dollars back? Did you have to wait? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I got it. It was it was very like stressful, but you know, I'm seeing this like last few years. It just, I mean, this happens all over the place. And yeah, I think the the, the key here is kind of like to look again, like look at your business more like uh, critically. Okay, so what parts in my business have to integrate? And being part of the community, I think, with other entrepreneurs helps you to kind of like get perspective maybe from people who are doing bigger numbers than you. So then you, you would know about the issues you don't even have yet, but you know you will have because on each stage of scale, and as you've seen it as well, you know we're seeing like having conversations with so many founders on each stage of scale of the business revenue level, which is like six, seven, eight figure, maybe like nine figure, you work on those like complex transactions, you'll see different type of challenges that business owners face. So being yeah. somehow like prepared for those help, helps tremendously. Yeah. We recently recorded an episode on getting a board of advisors. And I think mm -hmm. this, the concept of a community who's got experience like this is, is similar, you know, where you can draw from those experiences and you can talk to somebody who's had an account shutdown. I've, I've heard, you know, the merchant service account shutdowns that's happened. That happens a lot to a lot yeah. of, a lot of e-commerce businesses. And so it's, you know, it's probably in, in a lot of cases, not a question of if, but probably when that'll happen. Yeah. And, you know, do you have a plan that you can pivot quickly and not, you know, not be kind of dead in the water yep. for a period of time? So, hey, man, so how, how can our listeners contact you if they want to uh, be part of your e-commerce scaling secrets community and maybe maybe talk to you and get some more details? I can be found on Instagram. Hopefully I'll get my account back. Um, my account that got, got down for some reason. <laughs> it's Alex Petatov uh, with three F at the end. And then, um, uh, yeah, it's just ecommerce scaling secrets.com. It's, uh, yeah, uh, you can Google it and it will give you suggestions quick. Uh, you can book a call with one of our team members, you know, like the other thing that we do, and, and this is, you know, what, um, uh, what we also talked about before is like, we are looking for businesses that we can, we can help to grow. Like let's say if someone joins our program, and they're doing like six, seven figures and amazing founders that know what to do, but maybe they have issues with cash flow. Maybe they have issues with like, just like relying on like one traffic channel, whatever the issue is. And if it's like a good fit, we might even like invest into those businesses and partner up with them to take them, let's say from like seven figure uh, level to like mid seven figure level or even like eight figure level. And then obviously working with uh, professionals like yourself to help um you know exit those businesses so that's another thing that we've discovered that uh we can add a lot a lot of value to businesses because they already have the foundation and we can just add the things that we've learned to their businesses to just make them exponentially more valuable awesome yeah that's pretty exciting right so you're doing you're doing direct investments uh with some of your some of the yeah. companies you're working with 
First, cool. first our clients pay us to to join, you know, our program. And then we pay our clients, you know, a lot more to, you know, to to partner up with them. But we just see like so many amazing people inside of the community that, you know, you see their potential, and it's kind of like over time you start seeing the talent, right? The talent, very talented people, and you know that these people will be like so far ahead if they had the right resources. And if you can help them to get there, then uh, you get, uh, you know. Part of the action, and uh, it's the same as like you know, Dr. Dre was believing in Eminem when no one was believing in him. Uh, I don't know if you know that story. Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so uh, he was seeing that in him, like from day one, and believed in him, and you know, made him one of the biggest stars of all time. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it goes to the point of you need you need to put a team around yourself, and you know what what I see is that a lot of you know, to, to be successful in e-commerce, you have to be able to wear a lot of hats, especially if you're starting yeah. out on your own. Yeah. And so as the company grows, you know, each one of the tasks that you do take up more time. And at some point you run out of time. And so it's it's like, can you identify what you're really good at and drive value? And then can you put a team around yourself to help you with all the other parts? And, you know, what I see a lot of times with, with founders is they're, they're really good at one or two things and they've become very successful. But you know what what buyers are looking for is can they add value in the other areas that that founder wasn't as good in uh, and i think i think that's kind of what you're saying is that you can yeah. you can identify these these companies and then you know you can you can help them by investing in them and, and maybe professionalizing their marketing operations and yeah advertising. thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the deal closers podcast brought to you by WebsiteClosers.com. If you like this show, be sure to rate us, write a review, press the follow button, share it with your network. And of course, if you're looking for help selling your e-commerce business, be sure to visit WebsiteClosers.com. This episode was edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Isaac Porter. Follow me on LinkedIn, and we'll see you next time on the Deal Closers podcast.